figure out what you stand for, but then don't waver on it. You right. know, at some point, maybe you you quietly back away. It's, you know, let's diversify. But the way they handled it was, I think, abysmal. Well, it goes, not the fact they, they, it's, it goes to the point that they didn't stand for it in the first place. to the moon let me play among the stars as i start off episode number 155 of the promo upfront podcast i'm one of your hosts bill petrie with me as always let's call him the field marshal of fair labor the one and only kirby hossaman kirby how the kashakton are you you know what i'm doing pretty well doing pretty well things are are rocking and rolling um yeah, I cannot complain. I got my, I, I was telling you right before we started, I had my grandson stay the night last night, so I didn't get quite as much sleep as normal, but other than that, yep. I'm doing great. How about you, bud? Doing good. Um, you know, it's been a very rainy um, uh, early summer in uh, mm. Nashville, yeah. uh, so uh, kind of uh, hit and miss, so I haven't been as outside cooking and doing the things as as I generally like to do as much, but you know what? That's part of the deal, but uh, you know, it it didn't get me to thinking today. Um, <laughs> right. No, I was I was <laughs> I was actually um, thinking about our sponsor today. It's PXP Solutions, and I was speaking with Bruce Jolish, who's the the owner, terrific guy. Yeah, and I was saying, hey, what do you what do you attribute your success to? And he said, Bill, it's two things. We have a shared vision for the final result for the end users with our distributor partners. And I'm like, well, that's a really interesting way to look at it. He said, number two, we have a dedication and commitment to the highest levels of service. And, yeah. you know, I, I that did actually get me to thinking, Kirby, we often talk about it's not what you sell, Kirby, it's what you stand for. And Kirby, this is who PXP is and what they stand for. So in short, they do what they say and stand behind what they do. And I, I want to ask you, Kirby, is there a better foundation upon which to build a business? You know, I, I, I could say that that would be your your statements right on in any industry, right? But even more oh, yeah. so, I think, in our industry, because I say as a distributor, one of the things that you've heard me say before is I'm in the business of making promises for other people. And so yep. my, you know, my goal is to do business with people who keep their promises. And so for me, that's as important as anything. It's more important than price. It's more important than, you know, all these other things. Is if you do what you say you're going to do, that's how you build a business and a reputation. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Kirby. You know, for more than 13 years, PXP Solutions has worked with distributors where they enjoy a relationship that is built on that mutual trust, respect, and a reputation earned one project at a time. They strengthen this foundation by bringing in new ideas, techniques, and creative graphic design that meets, no, I don't think that's accurate, Kirby. It <laughs> exceeds the needs of the distributor client. And here's a fun fact. They have the capacity to print about 50 thousand impressions a day and wow. embroider more than 2,500 uh, things per day in their facility. So Mr. and Mrs. Distributor, consider this your personal invitation to join PXP Solutions to help your business grow. You can call the owner, Bruce Jolish, like I did, and I use <laughs> these following numbers to do so. 214-380-183. Or if you want, you can email them, and that would be at bruce at pxpsolutions.com. So, Kirby, I wanted to – I haven't done this in a while. I want to thank you for having the courage 
to not only wear blue today as yeah. I am, but to also podcast with me as we uh, you know start our march towards 200. So I have the upfront section for those okay. of you who are brand new to listening. Uh, we try to do a promotional products topic upfront. And the one I have is, is uh, it's going to affect our industry if it, it goes to fruition. It's going to affect every industry. It's going to affect every human in this country if it goes okay. forward. And that's uh, UPS, uh, the Teamsters mm -hmm. who work for UPS, their drivers and the logistics people there, have authorized a strike for August 1st if they cannot agree on a new contract. So if the Teamsters and UPS cannot agree on a new contract by that July 31st deadline, there's going to be a catastrophic work stoppage, Kirby. 97% mm. of the members voted in favor of the strike. So wow. they are unified. Yeah. This is not a simple majority, folks. This is not a plurality. This is a landslide. Yeah. So they they seem unified and determined. Now, obviously, this is, you know, a strike's not imminent. We're still about five, six weeks away from, from that deadline. And this is generally a negotiating tactic, much like giving a deposition before a trial. It's, you know, a, a way to hopefully get people closer together um, so they can find an agreement before that deadline hits. Now, talks are continuing and people are saying the right things. You know, we're agreeing on some issues, but we're far apart on others and we're going to do it. Sure. From a promotional products industry perspective, if UPS went on strike, it would be devastating. Yeah. Uh, if the drivers for UPS, I wouldn't say UPS is not going on strike, the, the Teamsters yeah. who operate the vehicles. I wanted to ask you, Kirby, have you, first of all, does this concern you? Mm -hmm. or, or do you feel like, ah, this is kind of just the way things go and they'll get a deal by the deadline? Or, or is it a big deal? And then secondarily, have you started preparing your clients for this eventuality? Okay, so a possibility. It's not an eventuality for this possibility issue. Yeah, say. so I would say yes. So I just, I'll be honest, I just read this this week. So um, yeah. my initial reaction was sort of like yours, raised eyebrows and, ooh, mm -hmm. when is this supposed to happen? Okay, August, we've got right. some time. So, um, so am I worried about it? Yes. Have I started hyper worrying about it? No. Like, you know what I mean? Like I was like, oh man, I had those exact same thoughts where it's like, oh, if this happens, it's a big deal. And my right. initial thoughts were, okay, should I start talking to suppliers about utilizing FedEx? Um, mm -hmm. Should I, you know, just whatever, USPS? But I'm like, well, not yet. I don't think so. And so in answer to your question, yes, I'm wildly concerned about it, sure. but it hasn't risen to the level of <clears throat> I'm worrying about it in my business. And then have I... Um, communicated this with my clients yet no again okay. with the idea that i don't think we're there yet i agree with you i think it's a, a negotiation yeah. tactic but is it on my radar it it sure is so i'm going to disagree with you i think now is the time to absolutely talk to your clients about this it probably won't happen yeah the the, the law of averages say there's too much to lose here for them not to make a deal right but to not prepare at least your top clients who generally order things as you, you again if you have the data that hopefully you have not, and then i say you not you kirby i mean the global you as a distributor the data you have is when your clients order and, and things like that i think it's absolutely a great time once mm -hmm. again and, and i don't want to beat a dead horse but this is a great opportunity to go to your client and say just wanted to put this on your radar and yeah. as we see things understand that 
if it seems like it's going toward the strike, it absolutely will impact the promotional products industry and therefore future orders. So if it's something you're concerned mm -hmm. about, let's work together now and get those orders in. It's fine if you don't. And I would be so upfront. I'd be unintended. I would mm -hmm. say, I'm not trying to get sales out of you now. What I'm trying to do is prevent issues that are possible down the road. It's totally yeah. up to you, but I wouldn't be doing my job as your partner here. If I yeah. didn't say this is a possibility. And yeah, again, I think that's really good. And, and Go what we always talk about as salespeople, when do we contact our clients? Mm -hmm. And the more we can contact them in a non-salesy way, Hey, I've got a special, uh, Hey, you know, I want to, I want you to look at this. I've got, when you can contact them and say, I want you to be aware of this, it may or might not impact your plans for promotional products. But yeah. if you have plans for promotional products this fall, this is a possible roadblock. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure we talk about that before it's I, nothing I can do because yeah. FedEx, DHL cannot handle the overflow from UPS. I guarantee you that. Yeah, because I think I, I read that uh, UPS handles like 33% or something like that of the, the shipments uh, that, that are going across the country or whatever. So that's a huge right. number. Um, right. And I think, man, it's a really good point. If, if I'm being yeah. candid, you've got my wheels turning because it's like what it, part of what it is, is like, I'm not trying to get a, a sale from you in August necessarily no. that you would do in December. But what I would say is you should order it in October, right? Yeah. Like, because the delivery times are just going to be that for, when... It's actually one of the things, and maybe this is a, a sort of a side conversation, but I was having this conversation internally when uh, Dustin, who's doing more sales now than he has in the past, right. and he's like, yeah, they say it's a five-day production, but it's a five-day, it's five days after the proof approval, and then they're shipping. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I think when many of us who've been in the industry for a long time um, think, oh, yeah, of course, you know, but A, <clears throat> if people who have worked in the industry are still thinking, well, it's five days. Well, our customers for sure think that, they have and, no it, and and it could be ten days shipping, <laughs> right? When if if and when something like this happens, so I think sure. your point is super well taken. So I like that. I, you may have just created a to do list item for me here today. I, again, <laughs> if, if I'm an end user client and someone came to me looking, not trying to sell you something, just want to be aware of this. You've probably seen it in the news, but you may not think. Well, I don't. You know, I'm fine. I can't get my Amazon deliveries as quickly as possible. I want to tell you how this may affect what we do for you. Yeah. And if you want to make plans, I'm here for you. If not, that's fine too. But I, it's my obligation and duty to tell you this stuff. So yeah, I think that's to great. Think about. Thank you. Hey, Kirby, I do have a question for you as we shift gears. Okay. Are you ready to make a big splash with towels? And I know you are. I want you to look <laughs> no further than Epicolor exclusively from our friends over at Kanata Towels. That's mm. right. Epicolor provides that vibrant photorealistic edge-to-edge -edge sublimation we all love. I mean, who doesn't love a big towel with a beautiful picture on it? But here's the other thing. No minimums, no setup charges, and wow. deep inventory with products to fit every single price point. So learn more at Kanata Towel. Dot com not towels cannot a towel.com great company and man they have some really cool cool towel stuff yeah, all right Kirby. Well, it's cannot a towel because you can do one that's correct <laughs> boom <laughs> boom the microphone is dropped if it was not on an arm i would drop the microphone all right Kirby, you got a topic for us i do i do we we teased this a little bit last week which we generally don't do but um oh. so you, you knew this one was coming um did and and i i don't want to I don't know if anybody's heard, but 
you know, Bud Light had a thing, right? Like, so, um, and there was news. They had that, a situation. They Kirby. had a situation. So Modelo Especial has surpassed Bud Light mm. as the best-selling beer in the U.S. Um, in May, reflecting, quote, enduring damage. This was from the Wall Street Journal. Um, yep. Now, I think many of us who follow beer, which is a weird thing, I think, to say, but pay attention to the beer market a little bit. Understand that Bud Light's uh, market share has actually been dropping for, gosh, years. Um, but they've been the number one be selling beer in the United States for 20 years, right? Yeah, um, correct. And of course, the thing that um, has sparked the conversation and the quote enduring damage is them featuring a transgender influencer, Dylan Mulvaney, um, and people's reaction to that. Um, correct. So those are things that have happened, but I think it was interesting to me that Modelo Especial had passed Bud Light as a number one selling beer. And when right. something like this happens, Bill, I'm always like, okay, so A, what can I learn from it? And B, what can, you know, what can we talk right. about? So I, what I wanted to do was just talk about, okay, this happened. What mm -hmm. are some lessons that you see? Now, you knew a little bit of this is coming, but I have a yep. couple that I have, but then, but I didn't know if you wanted to go first. I'll let you, I would like you to go first because okay. this is your topic. I did some research on this. I, I mean, I did for the first, you know, we don't do this. I'd say maybe yeah. for the sixth or fifth or sixth time in this podcast, we have prepared yeah. uh, the same topic. So no, I'd love to hear what you have. I'm sure there's going to be some overlap, sure. um, but yeah, let, why don't you uh, kick us off Kirby? Yeah. So uh, I, these are, I have three. Okay. So I have three things that I look at and, and um, that I think that could um, relate to any marketing business or the promo industry. So number one is sure. lesson is just know your yeah. audience. Uh, right now in the world we're living in, every brand seems to want to hop from cause to cause to show that they are, you know, socially mm -hmm. responsible. And I, I think in many ways, that's really good, right? That, that we are bringing to light issues that maybe hadn't been brought before. But I think you and I've talked about this before. It does allow sometimes for people to come off or organizations and brands to come off as inauthentic authentic because they never cared about um, this particular issue until it was oh. that month, right? And now they, it, it's yeah. a big deal. And so it, it's good to be, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, just know your audience because I think that the, yeah. one of the lessons is Bud Light veered wildly outside of their audience. You can agree or disagree with the stance, but their audience didn't like it. And so I think the lesson number one is know your audience. Go ahead, man. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I, I was the one interrupting, so I apologize. I, I, I just want to add to what you said. You know, it's good to be flexible and all that. But here's the thing. When you're so malleable, you can't stand, you can't be firm on things. Yeah. And so it's good to be flexible, but you have to know who you are. Um, and the only reason I jumped in, because I had the same lesson. Mm -hmm. But just from a slightly different perspective, and then I want you to finish your other two, because mm -hmm. I think our other two might be, my mind might be different. So understand what your audience expects from you is what I wrote down. So say, just a different way of saying the exact same thing. You can change who you are, but you have to make peace with the fact that your legacy audience may not go with you. Right. And the, and, the, and you know how much I love analogies. The analogy I have is a band, is band. band. I knew you were going band, and, yeah. And, and, and I'll go even Van Halen, and I didn't even have to think about this till right now. When when David Lee Roth either left or got fired as the lead singer of Van Halen in 1985, they went with Sammy Hagar as a replacement. A controversial move, 
kept the band name because it was the brother's last name. Um, And it went in a different direction. Now, the music was already going in a different direction. Eddie always wrote the music. So people love to blame the keyboards on Sammy Hagar, but Eddie was writing that music. They knew that not every Van Halen original four members uh, of, of the band the fa- people were fans of that. They knew that not everybody would go with them. And they were okay with that. They made peace with that. So I think if you're going to do something different, you're going to really say, we're, we're picking a different lane here than historically we have not picked. You have to be comfortable that you're leaving some of your legacy audience behind. And and, and that's okay. That can yeah. be okay. Yeah, I like that. But yes, know your audience. Your 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 point is a thousand percent correct. I'm now yeah. going to shut my pie hole. No, it's good. This is I, I like it when we have a back and forth. So I guess the next the next lesson that popped into my head was uh, diversify your product line. So you know, I think people think of uh, Anheuser Busch as Budweiser and Bud Light, but they have been regularly acquiring other brands over the last you know, probably 10 years, uh, many of them craft beers, which is where, you know, some of the, the explosive growth happened in beer over the last 10 years. And it was funny because there was some, you know, from the independent, um, beer producers, there was some pushback to that. Cause it's like, Oh, you're going to take away the, the independence or whatever. I, I think from the Anheuser-Busch perspective, it made sense. You you put resources behind a uh, brand that's growing and then you diversify yourself so that if and when yeah. uh, something like this ever happens, you have other sources of revenue. So diversify your product line is lesson number two for me. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. And I had this kind of down, um, you know, they have a hundred brands of beer, okay? <laughs> um, and and so they have diversified, and it is more than Budweiser, Bud Light, Mick Ultra, so on and so forth. Yep. I think the funny thing is that with the backlash uh, against the influencer, the LGBTQ plus influencer that Bud Light had aligned with, um, you had someone like Travis Tritt who said, I'm no longer drinking Bud Light and showed his beer full, uh, refrigerator full of Carbach beer, which is a, a brewery in, in Texas. <sighs> Owned by Anheuser Busch, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, uh, I, I remember when the craft beer thing was exploding, and in, in AB InBev, which is the parent company of Anheuser Busch, was buying all these brands, and people were like, "Oh my gosh, it's going to be awful and terrible." You didn't even notice half of it. So, hundred hundred percent. Yeah. So I, I I agree. You have to be diverse. It's like kind of like McDonald's. If all of a sudden. They didn't sell Big Macs. That's probably a good comparison. All of a sudden, Big Macs are off the menu. Yeah, They still have plenty of revenue streams with a quarter pound of cheese and McNuggets and French yeah. fries and other things. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally, I think for me, it's like uh, the the final lesson is nothing lasts forever. So 20 years is a long run uh, for having the number one selling beer in the US, but nothing lasts forever. And it sort of goes with my idea of diversifying the product line. But how are you capturing those customers to maintain to be your customers. The analogy I would give you is PPP, yep. right? Mm-hmm. In in our industry. Like there are sure. a lot of uh, studs in the industry who jumped on that right away. And they like, we're doubling down and we're going to do masks and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. Um, and in a short term burst, that was really good. My sure. pushback at the time was that we are a branded merch company. And so I want to do PPP that is consistent with that so that when we capture those those customers, 
they they stay as customers. I've I've yeah. seen a lot of distributors who did really well with PPP who are all of a sudden right. really struggling because those customers never viewed them as resources outside of hey you can get me masks and so right. um so to me that lesson is nothing lasts forever what are you doing to capture those one time customers right no and that's a great third lesson i have a different third or uh, you know one so this is where you, we touched on the factor you did i should say sales of bud light have been declining for 20 years yeah okay and even the vp of marketing for bud light said you know if we don't start attracting young drinkers bud light doesn't even have a future Right. And that's one of the reasons they decided to try something different. Um, I look at it from the, the perspective, they tried something different, which we all try some, ideally yeah. we all try different things from time. I want to, I think we can learn a lot from their response because I think their response in every way, shape and form was horrific. Mm. They did everything possible wrong to damage the brand. Okay. Um, and here's what I, you know, so after stale starts something, you know, right immediately, sales took a nosedive because again, we, what we talk about in point one didn't really uh, either know their audience enough or accept that their audience would be open to something so wildly different from them from a, a marketing and branding perspective. So after sales started slumping, something two executives took a leave of absence, and about three weeks after everything started happening, they they came out with an announcement: Hey, we're going to redouble our our marketing efforts on say on sports and music. So. It's very quickly they basically said "f you" to the LGBTQ plus community, yeah, because sales were slumping. What does that tell that community right there? We don't give a shit about you. Sales didn't work out, so sorry, go on your own. And so we talk often. We talked about it at the top of this podcast. And I know it's something you and I believe in. It's not what you sell; it's what you stand for. And I don't know what Bud Light stands for <laughs> anymore, other than dollars and cents, right? And so. I, I applaud them for, you know, trying to go in a different direction with LGBTQ plus community. I don't applaud the fact that they didn't either double down on it. You know, I, I think I think they did the worst possible thing in their reactions of saying, hey, these are a group of people we want to attract as drinking Bud Light. And we're not going to apologize for it right. because to me, the way they reacted it's like, you know, we were just using them anyway for money and it's not working out the way we had kind of planned. So we're, we're off that. To me, that's they're going to be very much on the wrong side of history on, on this thing. And and I look and it's very... So, so my lesson takeaway is figure out what you stand for, but then don't waver on it. You right. know, at some point, maybe you, you quietly back away. It's, you know, let's diversify. But the way they handled it was, I think, abysmal. Well, it goes not to the often. fact... They they it's, it goes to the point that they didn't stand for it in the first place. Mm-mm. No, <laughs> right? they were that's being, the challenge. They were being too. They were doing being too malleable. They thought now is the time for us to do this because we think that the our, our audience is ready for it, and they weren't. And it's very rare, very rare that I ever ever give Garth Brooks credit for anything, but I'm about <laughs> to. So. Garth Brooks is opening a new bar in Nashville. And if you're familiar with Nashville, almost everybody has a bar in downtown Nashville, including Kid Rock. Now, Kid Rock is very famous, was very famous in his uh, I Am Never Drinking Bud Light. He did take it out of his bar in downtown Nashville, I believe. So um, Garth Brooks is opening a new bar, and he was criticized when he said his new bar in Nashville would serve many types of beer, including Bud Light. And he said... People who are upset about it can go to many other bars in the area if they want. And I love that. He actually, here's his quote. 
Everybody is welcome to their opinions, but inclusiveness is always going to be me. I think diversity is the answer. All inclusive, so all are welcome. I understand that might not be other people's opinions, but that's okay. And what I really, I just, I think that's the right stance here. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, I, I, you know, again, I would talk about earlier, wrong side of history, Bud Light's on the wrong side of history here. They decide to go, you know, you look at a needle, they decide to go way one direction. Mm-hmm. And they probably went too far. I mean, from a marketing perspective, yeah, I'm not saying based on their far, audience, but they they didn't know their audience. Um, but uh, you know, they clearly um, are making a decision between profits and purpose, and they've chosen profits. Yeah. And if you're not taking that lesson away from here, then you know. Well, and again, I think they about. they allowed bullies to to change. Again, you either believe it or you don't. Yep. It's actually yeah. if you want to give Garth Brooks a. He's been consistent as a human like this yep. for years. It's one of the things no, I admire I, about him is he he will tell the man to go screw himself because well, he that's, does whatever. You know what I mean? Like, so well, that's I, I also that. easy to do when you're sitting on a giant stack of money. So, sure, you but, mean like yes, Bud Light? But, but yeah, well, not, <laughs> not right now. Not right now. <laughs> if you're if you're the VP of marketing for Bud Light, you're not sitting on a stack of money. Great, great conversation. I'm glad you brought it up. Hey, distributors, I got a question for you. Is your marketing working? Well, if it's not. Uh, you know what? You need to reach out to our pals over at Promo Pulse. They can help you consistently amplify your sales through stunningly beautiful outbound marketing that's so easy to use. You can customize it, set it, forget it. Five minutes. Learn more at promopulse.io/amp. Okay, Kirby, let's keep in the industry. Okay. Um, sudden closure of Baltimore glass decorators. I'm sure you saw this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baltimore <laughs> glass decorators this came from ASI, is where I learned from it. It's all over uh, all, all industry news. Uh, they apparently closed the company in early June due to "quote unquote" unforeseen circumstances. Their products are no no longer available on ESP. Uh, wow. Google lists the business as permanently closed. Uh, I hate this because Brian Summers, very great guy. I know him a little bit. I hate that for him, but I really want to talk crisis management here. So, as mm-hmm. a distributor, how would you react if you had a large order right now that was in process at Baltimore Glass Decorators and you found this out? Um, you know, it's, 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 there are, there are distributors yeah. who have this problem. Yeah. I, so I, you know, I think that the first thing you do is go, um, okay, this particular item, whatever it is, can I get it from another supplier? Right. That's the, right. the first obvious one. And then right. I think it really goes back to if, if the answer is yes, then that this is actually a fairly easy, um, sure. solution. We move it over here. I probably communicate that to the yep. the customer either way. Hey, had an issue with this supplier, going to go this supplier. Does that change the price? Does it whatever? Here's what's going on. And then really then I think it's goes back to what you you said earlier on the podcast. It's about communication, communication, communication. Hey, we placed this order. It's gone. Um, we don't know what's happening here. Cause I think I've seen some posts where they're like, well, we're not hearing back. So we don't know, Right, man, you got to move off that real fast um, and find another thing and give, Hey, we can't get that. Here's three other options and we can still do it in the time and budget and date that you need it by. Let's just make a decision quickly. So for me, it would be, can I find it? If I can't, I'm moving off of it really quickly and communicating as best I can. And I I actually agree with you almost hundred um, percent. I think the first thing you need to do is look at the timelines with your clients and see what's mm-hmm. in jeopardy. Yep. Next thing to do is find a substitute. Third thing is 
once you have a solution, now you communicate the problem to your client and also yeah. tell them, here's the solution, yeah. right? There's, so there's li as little stress as possible. I think there might be some issues with enhanced dates that I think that would be my main concern. Yes. Most of the glassware can be found elsewhere in the industry. Right. Um, so, I, you know, and, I'm, and obviously it's a great opportunity for suppliers to really rise the occasion and get some new clients. Yeah. Um, but uh, I really, I really uh, I like that. But I, I think... You know, the, the thing is, I like, I think the message here is focus on your client first, yeah. then worry about if you've prepaid or money and yeah. worry about that later. I, so I loved your answer. And I think that's, that's to me, my takeaway from this type of conversation is focus on your clients first, solve, get, find a solution to the problem. If there's one and there may be up sometimes where there's not, maybe there's yeah. no stock anywhere else and if you're out of luck, then you still have to communicate that to the client. I've exhausted, you know, Make your communications to be decisive and be expedient about communicating it. I've looked at every option. Here's the options. It's an increase in price. Actually, it's a decrease in price. It's the same price, whatever it is. Or I'm sorry, I've looked at every option. I can't get this for you. We need to look at other glassware options. Yep. And is you know, people people might not like the truth, but they'll always respect it. Yeah. And speed is a superpower. I, I, I'm it finding is. that more and more in the business world today. It's the thing I'm trying yep. to preach to my team. It's like, yep. just make like do whatever you're going to do, do it fast. Cause people appreciate yep. that more and more I find in today's world. So I think that's good. Absolutely. All right. You got one more. Or are we good? Yes. Are we, are we real done? quick. You're the, real quick. You're the official timekeeper of this podcast. Yeah. We, we, we're, we're, Okay. We're almost up on it, but this is, I just saw okay. this headline and I thought it was fun. And so I thought mm -hmm. it'd be a, uh, you know, party in the back kind of funny thing. Yeah. So okay. uh, it starts with the quote, you should, you shouldn't wait until someone is dead to meet up with them. Okay. So a Belgian man named David Bairton felt unappreciated by his family. So he took the next logical step. He faked his own death and then showed up to his own funeral in a helicopter to make sure that in all future events, his family invited him. So, yeah. so I wanted to know that, yeah. you know, when you take that next logical step of faking your own death and showing up to well, your sure. own funeral, um, yeah. how do you think your family is going to uh, react? Uh, well, probably a lot of sadness that I'm still around. Um, <laughs> mostly. Uh, now, you know, I did see this. Uh, I actually <laughs> saw this story and I thought, man, what a cry for help for this guy. And yeah. what an express way to real. I mean, you talk about violating the trust of the people you supposedly love. <laughs> whatever fake your own I, you know, I mean that's a big step I mean think about yeah. all the stuff you got to do to make oh I have happen. I have a whole list <laughs> I mean look I within 15 minutes I can fake my own death okay <laughs> let's be real clear on that no there's kidding. no way there's um, no way I could keep my mouth shut <laughs> yeah no I yeah I couldn't either and there's no I mean but to me that's just such a it's sad man I mean it's yeah. funny because it's such a, a weird weird wheels off thing to do but at the real base of it, it is sad, sad, sad. Um, yeah. Anything else? But I'll tell you what's not sad, Kirby. Okay. Our what's up, Bill? Over at Peak. Thank, thank you, Kirby, for coming. Sorry, I was a little that. slow on the update. That time. That's, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> our good pals over at Peak's Peace Solutions, that's right. They attribute their success to two things and two things only. One, a shared vision for the final product uh, result for the end users, for your end users, distributors and a dedication and commitment to the highest levels of service. They have such an amazing capacity 
50,000 uh, impressions a day they can screen print uh, or print, and then uh, over 25,000, 2,500, I should say, uh, 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 pieces of apparel uh, and hats they can decorate embroidery. Uh, on a daily basis. That is an enormous amount of capacity. Great guy, Bruce Jolis, would love to earn your business. You can give him a call, 214-380-1883, or you can email him at bruce at pxpsolutions.com. Kirby, until next week, I'm going to go fake my own death. That's right, from-